Welcome to the Mastering the Mind podcast, where we take you through professional elite athletes and coaches' stories about how they cope with the psychological demands of competing at elite level. Today, we welcome three-time CrossFit Games athlete, Brandon Luckett, to the podcast. Brandon competed at the 2018, 2020, and 2021 CrossFit Games. Before beginning his CrossFit career, Brandon wrestled for eight years, becoming a three-time city champion, two-times D1 state champion, and 30th in the nation as a senior. Outside of CrossFit, Brandon is a medical physicist that studied applied physics in medicine at the UT Health of MD Anderson Cancer Centre. So let's welcome Brandon to the podcast. <laughs> Did you have like a busy day uh, at work or was it um, quite no, calm? Not too busy. No, this week, was, this week was busy, but today wasn't too busy, so... It's just what you want before the weekend, isn't it? That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And then, you should see the weather here. We, like? we have like really, we have really bad storms here in Europe. Like, oh yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, oh, the wow. wind is going crazy right now, and uh, I've seen videos all over like different countries of like massive trees falling on cars, and Jeez. yeah, it's uh, the struggle, the struggle. <laughs> Yeah, we had that yeah. this year because I, I live in Louisiana, um, yeah. so it's close to the coast of the U.S., and we get hurricanes um, regularly. So we've, we've been put through that ringer uh, over the past year. Uh, yeah. Some of the weather you, that happens in America yeah. is like, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like with the forest fires and things like that. Yeah, we get, we, yeah, we get them all depending on where you're at. If you're on the East Coast where it's dry, you get forest fires. If uh, – you're in the midwest you get tornadoes if you're in the south you get hurricanes if you're in the north um you know north you get snowstorms i mean you get all over here it's weird and, you know we, the- we get really like worried about you know a bit of weird <laughs> like the trees are swaying a bit and uh, we're going into into like stress while she like are experiencing all that is uh yeah, it's two yeah. different worlds. I can certainly sympathize with it. You, know? <laughs> you can relate, you can relate. So where's the best place to, to live in the US then? Like if there's all these like not natural disasters, but you know, weather conditions, like what, what would you say? It's a huge oh, I, country. So right. Um I think you can just take a pick of what you you know, what you can take away from the area that you love, right? You, California's just got beautiful weather all the time, which is on the, the west coast. Um yeah. You know, it's sunny 365 days a year. Um, you're on the coast. It's just beautiful. But it's, you know, it's, it's dry. So you get like, you get those forest fires. Um, you know, the Midwest has, you know, you got mountains. You got the, like, the Rocky Mountain Range. You got snow. You got skiing. You got hiking. You know, whatever outdoors activity you can imagine. But you got to deal with the snow. Um, in the South, you got, you know, it's called Sportsman's Paradise. You got fishing, hunting. Um you got the coast, you got beaches, but then you got the, the uh, hurricanes and things like that. So it's really, I don't know if there's a best place um, in terms of, it really just depends what uh, your, your fancy is, I guess. I was just talking to John about you know, how much the weather affects my mood. I just feel like in the UK, we haven't seen sun in so long. I'm so ready for summer because, yeah, I'm starting to struggle a bit now. Like, yeah. Just every day waking up is just grey. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, not ideal. What's it like in Louisiana? Um, it's uh, I think we get like uh close to 200 days of sun a year because it's on the coast. We get all that humidity yeah. coming from the Gulf, um, and so it's it's 
it's a series of cold fronts and warm fronts. The warm fronts bringing in the rain and the humidity and the, like the clouds and then the cold fronts bringing in, you know, a little bit of drier, cooler weather, but it's just com like constantly alternating. So we just flip flop between cloudy spouts, you know, rain, a ton of rain, and then, um, you know, decent days. So it's not, it's not so bad. It's a decent yeah. balance. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, anyway, getting into like the podcast, we love our weather segment. That, we haven't done a weather segment in that. Uh, no, nah, we haven't done like parties. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. We we do it on the we do it consistently. But yeah, it's nice to <laughs> catch up on yeah. the weather, like Oli said. But yeah, um, yeah, great place we like to start and for the listeners to sort of get to know you. We ask every guest this at the start of the episode is, you know, talk us through your journey today. If you were to give like give us like a brief overview from growing up to where you are now, yeah, you know, who is Brandon Lookit? Yeah, um, I, I grew up in a small town uh, in Louisiana, um, probably about an hour, almost an hour about from where we went to school. So, we, you know, we drove in and out every day. Um, so I grew up in the country in the middle of sugarcane, corn, um, soybean, which kind of surrounded us. So that gave us, you know, a lot of opportunity to just get in trouble in the outdoors when we were younger. Got involved in sports in middle school and high school, wrestled in high school pretty uh, religiously, um, but didn't didn't go on to college and wrestle decided to get a physics degree instead and work for my father as a consultant eight years down the road from when I started university and so um that's where my I thought my athletic career would stop but then my brother ended up getting me into CrossFit you know as soon as I was done with with high school and um that was eight or nine years ago now so it was in 2013 I think was the, my first CrossFit class just did it because it was, I, you know, I loved exercising. I was always working out when I was in high school. So I just, I love being fit and CrossFit was just another way for me to do that. I like the competitive aspect of like the community that I had there. And then I kind of just got more involved each year, started competing on a team um, and then got a little more competitive and ended up uh, training with a couple of games athletes in Houston, Texas. And got a little better ended up qualifying for the CrossFit games in 2018 for the first time I think I was I guess 23 years old at the time and um, then graduate school pulled me pretty hard the next year so I took a year off of competing finished my thesis um, took some board exams got into a residency moved to Oklahoma um, picked competing back up again unintentionally and went two more years to the CrossFit games Moved back home to Louisiana, where I'm at now. Started working for my dad as a consultant in physics, and um, have kind of transitioned over from the competitive side of CrossFit to helping the the younger crowd in the area here um, in terms of like training and things like that. Just kind of pushing that level over there and on the CrossFit side of things, and then focusing on my work. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so. super interesting. It's interesting that you wrestled because you wrestled to quite a high level. Um, you were three times state champion. You were two times D1 state champion and 30th in the nation. Like, what was it difficult for you to say, you know, I'm not going to progress with that and I'm going to study instead? Could, yeah. Um, could you see a career in that? I don't know about the career in wrestling. Um, there's only been a couple of guys who've made a career out of uh american or you know traditional wrestling because the only only thing past high school or college rather only thing past like the university level of wrestling would be the olympics um 
so there's you know there's no I guess market for it in terms of like a professional athlete unless you are going to like world championships and olympics regularly and so the the only thing that would have made sense for me to wrestle past uh, high school would have been if i could get my college paid for from it yeah um and i'd all i was already going to get my college paid for by academics um mm -hmm. and i knew that i was doing physics in in, uh, in 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 undergrad and so i was terribly afraid of taking on the physics degree while also because I, I know how my mind my mind kind of works with with especially in high school with wrestling I just gave myself to it completely right and so I didn't I didn't really care about school when I was wrestling I just I just cared about the wrestling aspect and you know grades suffered and I didn't want to make that sacrifice in university and so I decided to step away from it and, um because I knew that the the career that I was going to be on you know the, that pathway was going to pay off more for my family um in the you know, my my future family in the long run than the wrestling career could and so i uh it was a hard decision it always is but is probably the right decision when i was doing my research around you um you know you've talked a lot previously about the things that you've learned from you know wrestling and the things that is now integrated into you from that period could you talk us through some of those things that you learned from wrestling? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of discipline in wrestling. There's, I think there's discipline in all sport, um, both mental and physical discipline that can be found. But I think wrestling does an incredible job of instilling that kind of discipline in you because you, mean, you think about it, um, you've got to watch your diet. That's a discipline. Um, you can't you got, you got to stay within a window of body weight because you, you wrestle in a weight class. Um, so there's a good bit of sacrifice that comes from that. You know, uh, the, the practicing is the, the sport is grueling from a physical standpoint, you know, it's cardiovascular, it's, uh, strength, it's flexibility. It's like all these different aspects of, you know, the physical aspect of the sport come into play. So that's another discipline. Um, you know, with the the part of the body i think the body weight plays a large uh factor in why it sets itself apart i think because you know you, you can't go party with friends you can't go out to eat with friends um there's a lot of sacrifice that you have to make in the sport um uh, more so than a lot of others where it's a little bit more lenient i believe not that's not to say that other sports are easier or harder it's just to say that like the, there's a there's a different aspect of the discipline that comes into it um the fact that it's one-on-one -on -one, uh there's no there's no team that's got your back you can't yeah. uh blame you know the guy who doesn't catch the football even though the pass was perfect on the loss the loss is because you were simply worse than the other man um so that's that's one of the things that makes it mentally and physically and tough um so I think that there are a handful of sports that just have like the, those extra components of like the mental aspect, like the discipline, the sacrifice um, in certain, you know, in certain, certain factors. And, you know, I'll repeat this again. I think every sport to be really good at it requires an immense amount of like sacrifice and discipline. Yeah. Wrestling is not very popular here in Europe. And I was just curious, like what, some of like the psychological qualities you would say would make a successful wrestler or a, a top level wrestler would you say so you mentioned discipline is, is could be one yeah. is there anything else 
yeah i think it's like a any i think anything like with almost anything um like an obsession with improvement uh i know in, in high school i i started getting really good um whenever i just started putting in extra work because i was willing to do it you know i, I would i would run um a couple miles every morning you know three or four kilometers um i i would make my own breakfast i'd make my own lunch um which a lot of kids were just eating whatever the school provided uh you know i was watching what i ate for dinner i was staying 30 minutes after practice and drilling um with the people who are older and better than me i would come home i would push my truck up and down the street or i'd go run or i'd do calisthenics like my, my dad would sit in the front seat and steer with it in neutral i just pushed it you know 150 meters down 150 meters back you know, just about you know three or four times a week just for like to build up the leg strength it was just like the desire to constantly get an edge on the whoever my opponent might be and so it's just the obsession with improvement i think back then obviously you're not that old now but um obviously mma's took a huge you know development yeah i'm interested to know was there that career path back then because obviously wrestling's like uh um, art that you can do yeah. in MMA did you ever yeah. consider you know potentially more so in the present than I did in the past um okay. cause I, <laughs> <laughs> I started doing jiu-jitsu uh like a few months ago um just to pick up a little bit because I've always wanted to get back into like that grappling and jiu-jitsu was like the closest thing for adults uh, in, yeah. in like the United States right yeah. um yeah. so I started doing jiu-jitsu and you know I I kind of started keeping up a little bit with MMA now and uh but uh I think the fear of like the actual physical toll on the mind that it would have just from the you know the abuse that the the head takes from punches and kicks and you know I don't think that's worth any amount of money to me you know yeah yeah, that stuff can be so incredibly damaging um if you if you if you take the wrong hit you know, and so, but jujitsu is the closest thing I can get to it. So, now I've seen jujitsu is becoming really more popular now across, across the world. To be honest, um, yeah, a lot of people are doing that just as you know that that exercise of choice. Yeah, um, and it, it, like I said, it teaches a lot of discipline and things like that. And it's similar to like the boxing gyms in the UK, where you know there's a lot of respect in jujitsu. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I can respect that. Maybe uh, me and John will have to uh, get into that or get a jiu-jitsu yeah. athlete on because I'd be super yeah, interested yeah. to talk to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's it's another one of, one of the things in ju- I think the mental aspect of jiu-jitsu is that you have to dedicate so much time for improvement. You walk in there, and besides the fact that someone's trying to choke you constantly or break your joints, um, you know, not like you know nothing when you walk in there and so there's you know, you're humbled immediately even with the wrestling background i'm getting tied up regularly um and so then there's the aspect of like your due diligence you know you have like the stripes on your belt or the color of your belt which represent you know your skill level your the time you've put in and so it just takes time to acquire that um the next step of uh you know a blue belt or a brown belt or eventually a black belt where if you're a black belt people know you've put in a ton of time um and you've just been grinding at it improving just little by little over years and years and so that's that's another one of the things that i just love about sport 
in yeah. general. You talk about that, you know, um, they could like try just try to choke you out. I remember my friend, um, he's actually, he was the British champion when we was growing up in jiu-jitsu in the UK. And, um, you know, I just thought, because he did, it's funny to me because when you look at someone like that, they don't look like, you know, they'd be able to fight. So I was like, all right, let's, let's just do a bit of grappling and see what happens. Yeah. And I am not within about five seconds, he's got me in this like armbar thing. And I thought my shoulder ripped out my ass. Yeah. I was in so much pain. And it, it hurt for so long as well. And yeah. he, he was applying like 50% pressure, like, yeah. because he knew the power that he had. It's unbelievable to me the the locks that they can get to you and the angles. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's a cool sport because it's it's all about how to manipulate another person using the least amount of energy from yourself. Yeah. One of the things I had like going into the sport um, was a wrestling background, so I knew how to move pretty well. Um, I kind of knew how to control another person's momentum and body. I didn't know any submissions or anything. Another thing I had was very good cardiovascular endurance from the years of CrossFit, and you know, good power, good speed, good endurance. But I wrestled one of the, or I was grappling with one of the um, the coaches at this gym. He's a, you know, he's a brown belt. And I'm, I was, dude, I was going so hard, just like <laughs> barely staying conscious because I was just so, I was just pushing the pace as hard as I could. And I swear his heartbeat was maybe 70 beats a minute and just moving me however he wanted. Just so efficient because they, they just understand how to manipulate another body so easily. I find so. it crazy as well when I actually watch UFC and, you know, how calm they stay when they're in those locks and, you know, yep. potentially they're going to be able to, they're going to have to tap out, but they stay calm and, you know, they're thinking about how they're going to angle their body to get out of the lock. And yeah, it's, it's how to stay calm in that situation with the crowd and the pressure of the yeah. event. It's a uh, very impressive psychological. Right. Um, but yeah, let's talk about your, your CrossFit career. And, uh, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> that was a main chunk of your, your life. So, you know, I bet you took a lot from wrestling into CrossFit. What were the main yeah. things that sort of transitioned in you and helped you with your CrossFit career and making it to the games? Yeah, I think um, the work ethic. Yeah. Because CrossFit's a cool sport in that it's so low skill because there's so many skills, right? You got to be good at lifting. You got to be good at running. You got to be good at gymnastics. You got to be good at Oh, just everything. And so really you can take any average athlete and they can be pretty good at CrossFit if they put in a good bit of work, right? Um, you don't have to be the strongest. You don't have to be the fastest. You don't have to have the best endurance, but you have to be good at all these things. And so really, I think that it's a, it's a unique in that pretty much anyone can come in and put in a ton of work and be really good. Um, and so that was the, one of the things that I always felt that um, I could do was just put in more time. Uh, you know, those, those mornings on the road in high school, the, you know, staying after practice to drill and then going home and working out some more. I knew how to put in time um, in the gym and start training those things that I just wasn't good at, you know, specifically like the weightlifting. Um, I knew how to control my body weight through food um in my body composition so in crossfit i knew how to stay optimal i knew how to stay lean i knew how to put on weight when i needed to i knew how to take off weight when i needed to i knew how to recover um in terms of you know sleeping properly and uh you know maintaining flexibilities like all these different aspects of what i did in wrestling really just transferred over um 
So, and then that, that part where it takes a while, right? Uh, I wrestled for five years before I considered myself to have gotten like decently good. I wrestled for four years before high school. My freshman year in high school, I was, I was okay. And then by the time I was a sophomore, I, I was pretty competitive. So it just took a long time. Same thing in CrossFit. It took me five years to qualify for the CrossFit games. Um, and I was training every, you know, I never like took a year off. I never took months off. I, you know, I was consistently putting in time and effort and training and getting just marginally better. And so understanding that it just takes a little bit of time to achieve like those goals that you set, um, you know, that, that I think it's, sometimes athletes come in like, I want to go to the CrossFit games this year, or I want to achieve this goal this year. And if they don't, maybe they get discouraged. Uh, so I've, I've always set goals like pretty lofty, but not been so discouraged whenever I wasn't able to attain them. Right. Um, cause you can just put in a little bit more time and keep, keep the goal, keep the, um, the, the site set and just keep getting marginally closer. So I think that helped. Do you think in CrossFit, um, there's like more aspects of performance that you can control, which, and that's, that's why it makes it such an attractive sport as opposed to like other sports where it might rely more on talent, for example, because I, I was going to, my next point was for me, CrossFit has exploded in popularity so much. Like my sister got involved yeah. in it not long ago. And, um, especially like during the lockdown period. And I was really curious to know, like, what was it that made this like exploding popularity in, in these past years? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, I, th I think when you look at who comes into the sport and ends up being really, really good or actually just the people who put in the work. And I think partly because if you're really talented, like you're not, not very many people are talented in several different areas of like physiology. Right. Um, as some athletes are come in really really strong but they've got no engine some people come in with a great engine and they're not very strong some people come in they're just not athletic at certain you know movements like a maybe a snatch because it's so complicated but they have a good work ethic and they have good endurance you know the talent aspect of it gets thrown out because it's so averaged i call crossfit a sport of averages um you got to be averagely good like your average uh, skill across the entire board of fitness is what really matters um, more often than not. And so a lot of the athletes that have come in and excelled in the sport were average athletes in a respective sport before. Um, I say average, but, you know, they weren't at the very top of their sport. They weren't, you know, NFL stars uh, or, you know, basketball stars or soccer stars partially because those people are already in a sport that is making money, but um, they weren't just phenomenal at one thing. They were just pretty good at a lot of different things. They were good athletes and they had a good work ethic. And so I think that's, what's really attractive with it is there's so many different areas of improvement that you can come in and day to day, see the improvement. So like for the general population who walks into a CrossFit gym athlete or not, um, you can just watch, uh, you know, item after item improve every single day. You can do it for decades and still be like, I'm still getting better here. I'm still getting better here. So I think that's what makes it really cool. Yeah. 
I think one thing that's helped it boost in popularity a lot is, um, you know, the shows that they release every year about the games. I mean, that, that sort of, I got introduced into CrossFit when I got a PT like five years ago. And um, I was very into like bodybuilder style of training. And then yeah. he had a CrossFit style of training. And, you know, he started putting me through the workouts and they were really tough, but you know, I was, I weren't just going through the motions anymore. You know, I was going into yeah. the gym and I was, uh, you know, applying myself. And I feel yeah. like, you know, those shows that they're releasing, I feel like that's so good for for CrossFit. And, you know, they're doing it with F1 now. And I, I'm now into CrossFit. I'm into F1 because I'm so invested into the into the athletes. Yeah. I feel like that's so good. Have you felt that with the shows that they've released? Yeah, definitely. Because um, it makes more people aware. Um, so, you know, I think partially the reason... You know, jiu-jitsu is becoming so popular is i think the joe rogan podcast right he's yeah. i mean he's got a millions of listeners and they're like oh like i i never really thought about jiu-jitsu it sounds like let me let me go give it a shot so they're increasing the awareness of the sport and you get an insight into like kind of how amazing the human body actually is with like how much it can do you know you, you know 20 years ago you would never thought that someone could run a five minute mile and squat 500 pounds yet it's been done a few times now um so whenever you showcase what the human body can do I mean, people are gonna you know, i want to see if i'm capable of that and more often than not you find out you're very capable of things that you never imagined so 100%. when you got into crossfit did you have any main inspirations um you know of, of athletes um my brother okay. he was always the rabbit to chase um any anything he ever did i tried to do uh you know he got into wrestling i got into wrestling he got into crossfit i got into crossfit and so he's always kind of set a bar for for me he's he's a few years older than i am and um he's the reason i started and then you know once i got into the sport it became this athlete in the local area is really good you know you, and then froning you know at the time rich froning was just dominating the sport and it was amazing to see like what he could do and you know you kind of have like those little those little heroes <laughs> so to speak yeah. and so uh i mean even in the last few years when i was competing matthew frazier just dominated the sport and it was inspiring to watch you know um and i don't think he was an incredibly talented athlete I think he was a, a talented athlete, but not phenomenally talented. But whenever you really thought about his, like, when you listen to him talk about what he did and, you know, how much sacrifice he put into it, um, it made you realize that, you know, there's, there's really no limit to your, your capabilities, and that's inspiring, you know. Um, apply it to whatever you want. Uh, it doesn't have to be CrossFit. It could be your job. It could be your education, your family life, like, whatever it is, if you just – if you desire to be better at it, just all it takes is work, you know, um, an intense amount of work. Oh, you love uh, Fraser, don't you? You always talk about him. <laughs> uh, as, soon as, as soon as I got released on um, Joe Rogan, when he went on there, I was like, first to watch, like, unbelievable yeah. athlete, just his ability to get it done and, you know, constantly yeah. just keep pushing and pushing just to get the event wins it's, it's unbelievable to watch on them shows and yeah, I'm, yeah. I follow his Instagram on that and yeah he's a he, he's a good guy yeah definitely so you kind of alluded to the point where 
being a crossfit athlete it, it kind of requires like great attention to detail so like in terms of your preparation your training your recovery for our listeners do you think you could shed light on potentially your daily or weekly routines yeah. and what, yeah. what that kind of looks like so i i competed in crossfit while holding either while either being in grad school working on a thesis or holding a full-time job in residency you know working you know nine hours a day or whatever and so in order to be competitive i had to control absolutely everything that i could control and it got harder every year because the athletes are getting better every year and so basically the buy-in to qualify for the crossfit games is getting higher every year you just gotta get better and so it, the more the more i did you know the more i could control um the better and so i controlled absolutely everything i could from the time i you know how many hours i spent in bed you know i tried to sleep as much as possible i shifted my my training schedule so that my entire weekend was training um whenever i wasn't working i could just spend more time in the gym so uh oh, a weekly schedule would usually look like i was training you know tuesday through thursday i would wake up um 5 a.m or so and start training at about 5 30. i'd spend you know usually an hour training uh conditioning usually anything because it's so early i didn't like to lift or do anything high skill or incredibly high intensity uh in the morning so it was usually rowing intervals running intervals biking intervals um or squatting because I, I felt like i could squat decently well in the morning without you know having to warm up for extended periods of time it's one of the few lifts that i would do um uh shower eat breakfast and then go to work uh get to work for you know around nine o'clock work until 5 p.m go straight to the gym and uh i train until the gym closed 7 30 um and i had a i had a hard rule for myself that i wouldn't train past 7 30 p.m because if it dipped past 7 30 p.m i just felt like it was just too difficult to fall asleep and then the next day would be trashed so i'd control that um you know ate the same thing most nights for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Most days, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, I could control what I ate, so that was pretty strict. Uh, you know, stretching uh, regularly and trying to knock out, like, those little aches and pains. Um, my training was – it was cycled throughout the year, and so if I mean, this might – your listeners might care, but, like, I would train heavier during the off season, work on weaknesses, and then tap in, start tapping into like more aerobic and anaerobic work during the season. And so, uh, you know, my, my cycling through the year changed there. Um, I feel like that was more unspecific than maybe you were asking. I can go into. Maybe uh, yeah. My next question was going to be, you know, with, you mentioned like, the range and I've seen the range um, of things you have to do at the games how yeah. hard is it for you to sort of program that with a full-time job you know they can throw anything at you one yeah. day swimming cycling running yeah. you gotta be good muscular endurance you gotta be muscular strength like yeah. everything you've got to have covered how do you program that with a full-time job that's where you find a, a good coach who listens yeah. <laughs> okay. um yeah my, I'd, I'd worked with a gentleman named seth page over here in the, in the u.s um for like a year before I qualified for the CrossFit Games. Before that, I didn't have a coach. Got him 
qualified for the games that year. So he knew me pretty well. Um, and he, during that first year, he didn't program specifically for me. It was just a generalized program. And so I would just do as much of it as, as I could and as often as I could with people to kind of drive that intensity. Um, and it was a well-rounded program, which, which helped, you know, uh, it was more or less general physical preparedness by that. I mean, it wasn't focused on strength. Um, for me, it wasn't focused on gymnastics for me or for anyone else. It was very generalized. So it just touched on everything, um, which was pretty helpful. And then I just, I would add in myself a little extra lifting, you know, I'd squat a little, you know, I'd maybe pick a squat cycle and run that for five or six weeks. Um, and so it was more just about knowing like what had to be addressed uh, with the time remaining in the year. Um, and for me, more often than not, it was weightlifting uh, just because I came into the sport super skinny and not very strong, not very powerful. Um, and so with the generalized programming that I was given from Seth, I could just add in my own lifting, maybe tweak a workout to have in, you know, add in a little bit more moderate or to heavier barbells just to touch on those weaknesses. And then once you, once you get your fitness in generally past the, what is, what is required for say the regionals um, now the semifinals, uh, which takes in a little bit more skill. Then you start working on those skills more diligently. You've proven that your fitness is where it needs to get past the open or the quarterfinals, which are generally decently low skill in terms of like the CrossFit games skills. So then you start honing in those skills a little bit more and working on those. If you get past the semifinals, now it takes in a little bit more skill. And so you start, you just tweak it throughout the year, depending on how far you get, because can't you can't qualify for the games unless you qualify for the games and so if you're really good at skills but you got no engine then it's going to be really hard to get past the open or quarterfinals or semifinals um so the skill requirement bumps up at each stage and the the cool thing about that is if you look year to year your skills get honed in the further you make it but the further you make it the more your skills get honed in and so the following year you've built up those skills by qualifying for the next step. And so it kind of just rolls over, um, which is helpful. So uh, knowing, yeah, knowing those weaknesses and knowing like when to start tapping into those more diligently is, is helpful. Definitely. Do you do any particular like mental preparation? Cause we've talked a lot about the physical kind of side yeah. of, of CrossFit. Do you take any time to yourself to prepare mentally for maybe like the qualification stages and ultimately the, the games? Yeah. Um, the first year I qualified, I didn't, I didn't mm. focus too much on the mental side of it. I guess it was just something that came just from naturally from like competing and wrestling and competing for a long time. Um, in 2020, there's, the past year or 2021 rather i ended up getting by accident a like a mental sports performance coach she, she was my nutritionist turns out she understood sports psychology pretty well and um which was helpful because i don't know why but as the years went on it seemed like competing got more and more stressful to me um i don't know if i was putting more weight on the result or um, more pressure on myself or what, but it seemed like every year it was just getting more and more mentally strenuous. And I think that like 
I don't know if it's a compounding effect because it seems like a lot of athletes uh, after a few years are like, I, could, I don't know if I could do this mentally anymore, you know? And so that's kind of where it was with me over the past year. It was just, I, I didn't know how to approach the, the pressure or the stress. So having that mental coach was helpful. The things, you know, we focused on was actually just what I could control. Um, you can't control what anyone else is doing, so you shouldn't think about it. Um, it's not helpful. You can control what you're doing. And if you're taking every measure to improve your own capabilities, well, you've done all that you can. You know, if you've played every card in your hand that you have available to you as best you can, then you've, you've done all that is available at that moment. And so that was one of the things I kind of had to figure out how to settle with um, going into the last year because I was so worried about qualifying for the world championships or the CrossFit Games that uh, I was running myself a bit ragged until, you know, just rationalizing through it is like, you've got this many hours of the day that you can exercise. The rest of the time is spent sleeping or at work. So during those hours that you have free, you should be working for, you know, the CrossFit Games. You can control what goes into your body in terms of nutrition. So I was controlling all of that. Um, I can't control what my body does with it. I can't control what anyone else is eating, but I can control that. Um, I can control my sleep. I know that I can turn off the television and get into bed at a, a better time. So I was doing that. Supplements, you know, is we, we just focused on the controllables and um, rationalizing that you can't worry about what everyone else is doing all the time because it's, it's really not going to help you, you know? Yeah. And so that, that helped me a lot over the past year to take a little bit of that pressure off myself. Um, and then rationalizing, why do you have the pressure on yourself to begin with? You know, um, I was always so worried about, you know, letting my wife and family down or just um, letting my coach down or, you know, looking like a failure. I didn't, can y'all hear that dinging? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's fun. <laughs> um, yeah. The, uh, like I, I, I never quite figured out why I've put so much pressure on myself in certain aspects, but um, I never, it never bothered me to put that pressure on myself either because I mm -hmm. felt like it, it kept me really focused on the goal because I cared so much, you know, whether it was school or CrossFit, you know, I, I cared so much about the end result that it forced me to focus on what I could control. Um, although I think for mental longevity, it probably, you know, I probably paid a price. Whilst we're on the topic of focusing on what you can control, um, I just want to fast forward slightly to, you know, qualifying for the 2021 games. I saw that during the West Coast Classic, where, where you did qualify, you suffered an elbow injury in event one, yeah. but it still continued throughout and still managed to qualify. You know, yeah. obviously that's something you couldn't control. <laughs> what pushed you on to be able to go on and qualify? Because you could have, I saw that potentially, you know, you didn't know whether you'd be able to carry on, but you did. Yeah. What were your thoughts going through your head then? Um, so I didn't know what I'd done to my elbow at the time. Turns out, I had completely torn my UCL uh, in my left elbow. Um, the There was no point in me 
at the time. You know, this is what I'm reasoning with myself in the competition. There's no point going to the doctor. You know, it's either torn or it's not. And um, if it's torn, this is your last competition for a while. If it's not, and you're just hurt and you you back out, well, then you've, you've lost out on the opportunity. You don't know if you can do this again next year. You know, you don't know if the opportunity is going to be there again. So um, I didn't care if I completely tore it after that. Um, if it was only partially torn and I retore it, you know, it whatever. You know, I got, I, I might not ever get to do this again. Um, so from there, uh, the decision to keep competing was made. And from there, it's just control what you can and see if you can let the adrenaline take uh, the pain away during the competition. And so there were several times in the warm-up area, um, you know, with the legless rope climb thruster workout, uh, I could hardly front rack 95 pounds to do a thruster because um, my elbow wouldn't bend properly. Uh, I couldn't do a legless rope climb at all in, in warm-up because the pain was, you know, I, I, I wasn't willing to just keep climbing up the rope. Um, it just hurt that bad. Um, and so you get corralled, you start saying your prayers, hoping that you can uh, put the pain out of your mind and hoping that it'll be all right. And um, you go forward with it. Um, try not to think about the way your elbow feels during the event and then deal with it after. Um, the next day, the swelling was a little bit worse, but again, you can only control what you can control. And so you warm up as best you can, whether you can do a pull-up or not, which I had, uh, you know, the, I think one of the events the next day was 100 pull-ups. Is a chipper, so it was 100 pull-ups, 80 GHDs, 60 cal row, 40 pistols, or something of that nature. Um, couldn't do a pull-up in in warm, I think I strung three together right before I got corralled. Um, but you know, again, getting crowd, say your prayers, uh, hope you can do your best and go out there and control what you can control. And so, uh, well, once you once I was on the floor, I didn't, you don't think about it because then it's just a distraction. Um, so we stretched over two days. Yeah. I guess three, uh, you know, five events. Um, Jeez, so you've had to deal with that because because obviously the first time it happens, maybe you know you'd be able to push through with the adrenaline, but you've got to build that adrenaline back up to be able yeah, to push yeah. through the second and third day. So yeah. that must have been unbelievably hard. Yeah, I, th I think I'm talking about adrenaline. I think I've always had a bit of a uh, an issue with that actually, because um, I get so nervous for competing. I just I know like. Whenever, I, whenever I've qualified for the games, no one really benefits from it. Not even myself. You know, I don't really make much money from competing in CrossFit. Um, so no one really benefits. But I've always just cared so much about whether I, you know, achieved or not. Um, that would, I would get so nervous for competing. And, you know, the first time I qualified in 2018 at that regionals, I remember – I think I slept four hours across three days because at night, I think my cortisol and the adrenaline was just so high. I just sit there staring at a ceiling fan, just couldn't sleep. Um, same thing in 20, uh, in 2021 at semifinals, you know, just, I think the adrenaline would just go so high in my system that, you know, I couldn't sleep. 
um, you know, heart rate is just racing all the time. And so the adrenaline dump after semifinals this year, I was actually sick for like a, a few days um, following that. Just like not uh, not viral or like bacterial sick, like no stomach bug or, you know, cold or something like nauseous and fatigued and just like drained mentally. Couldn't sleep for a couple of days. Just just like adrenaline dump. Um, but I think that's also why I was able to kind of get through that competition. Why do you think you have that sort of pressure? It is because of the pressure you put on yourself to be able to, you know, perform well on the day? Um, or is there anything else that causes that? Um, that's a good question. I, th- I think I always uh, felt a duty to succeed, you know. I don't, I don't want to say perform well. Um, I think it's to see, like, if I've set a goal for myself, um, I don't like to... And that goal is important to me. I don't like to to see it fail. Um, maybe that's partially the pressure that like I, I felt from my parents or from my older brother always being incredibly successful ahead of me and feeling like I was just trying to catch up to his shadow, you know, and I don't know if that was it, um, but I'm okay with not understanding the answer completely. Um, yeah because I don't mind where that pressure has taken me. Um, I've never, like, I, I think now I'm starting to realize what that pressure is actually doing to me physically, but, um, or maybe mentally, but I don't mind it. Um, you know, like it, you think of it as like sort of a positive that's going to you know, help your performance. Um, yeah. Because again, it keeps me, it's helped me stay so focused on certain things. Um, because it's the, the mindset I have with competing isn't just with the sport of CrossFit, it's you know, with school. Um, I, I, I have gotten so stressed out from school that I've gotten stomach ulcers because I was afraid of not performing well enough to get to the next stage, which was the goal. Um, I just always cared about achieving that goal and so you know um the the same adrenaline i get from competing i get before i take an exam or uh, a board you know board exam or um the same care i have for training is the same care i have for performing uh in, in work um working from my father uh i care just as much about the performance there as i do in the performance with competing. And so I get those same nerves and that same feeling and that same pressure. Like, you know, if I don't perform well, um, to me, it's like the end of the world, you know, like it really would be. And it would, it would drive me insane. And so I don't mind how that pressure has helped me to care. Um, but I don't know if it's the best thing for mental longevity, you know, I think me and John are sort of similar that need to succeed, especially during our studies. Like I would finish a stretch of, um, you know, a lot of assignments and exams and, you know, I'd come out and like my eyes are just like, I get these like, my eye turns like red and, you know, I get, yeah. I get the ulcers and I look yeah. like a complete mess. Like I start getting <laughs> spots and, you know, yeah. I, I so run down. It takes me like two weeks to be able to fully recover. And sometimes yeah. I don't even get the chance to fully recover because I can't wake up on a day and take the day off. Like yeah. 
today I'm struggling with that anyway. Like today I woke up and I've got no real goal, but you know, I've got to be pushing away at something else. Yeah. I just find a day and I'm just stressed because I'm trying to look for something to do. It, right. It, it's crazy. I think, yeah, I think that's a one of the struggles that we have is that without like the purpose of the like the goal, you get lost. Yeah, and so you have to find one, um, and then you care about it so much that it'll consume it'll consume your mind and it'll consume your life. Um, and so I think one of the fears that I've had about that recently is is it taking away from like your happiness or like your your joy or like your your gratitude for where you're at currently because if you're always setting that goal well your mind's always in the future it's never in what you you are currently or have achieved um so i think there's a benefit and uh you know maybe a little bit of a disadvantage to that kind of mindset but honestly i don't care um because i don't I don't mind being, <laughs> I've said this a few times and it's probably terrible, but I don't mind being unhappy for a while. Um, I can, I can deal with being unhappy. I can't deal with being stagnant. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I have that kind of similar feeling where let's say I have like a presentation the next day, like those 24 hours, are really like a hell for me. And yeah, it's really frustrating like when, when i've done the presentation like everything's gone well i'm i always tell to like tell to myself like was it really worth like putting myself in that state and like right. i'm currently like working on the ways to trying to manage those 24 hours but yeah it seems like you don't mind it but yeah in terms of like kind of my experience yeah it it kind of bothers me because uh yeah it's kind of fucks you up yeah it does it does it's really annoying now um but at the same time, you cared so much about that task you had yeah. that you performed really well on it. Yeah, so you were, like you were so focused um, yeah. because you, you thought about it constantly. So constantly you were running through it in your head. You were, were you know, rehearsing your you, what you had to say or what was going to be on the screen, what you had to present. And so you're running through it constantly. Maybe that's why you perform so well on that task. And so. I'm not willing to find out what happens if I don't care. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever change like the mentality that I have, but I think one thing where we can maybe improve is, you know, you talk about that gratitude, just constant reflection. That's something that I'm trying to improve on this year is, you know, sort of, you know, realizing that, like you said, being in the present, um, yeah. having a better work life balance and making time for loved ones as well. Cause I can, I can get caught up in that moment of, you know, yeah. constantly pushing and I, I push people away. Don't get back in touch with people. And you, yeah. you know, it can be lonely when you get to the end. So it's, it's important to maybe it's right. daily or weekly reflection on sort mm. of where you can get better at that balance. Yeah. Well, I think one thing I'm going to start trying to implement is, I heard um, compartmentalization, especially when you start taking more and more on your plate um, is giving yourself a certain amount of time to be really focused on this one subject of your life. Once that time is up um, to pass on to the next thing. And so I've got to compartmentalize things a little bit better so that I can, one, I can give those things my full attention because I found myself working on reports for my work while thinking about 
an investment that I have on this other side of my life that is nothing to do with work while thinking about getting, getting like needing to get to the gym for a certain time to train with a buddy. And so at this, like, while I'm sitting there trying to do the work that I'm doing, I'm not focused on it. And so I'm, I'm not very efficient whenever my mind is being pulled in seven directions. Um, so that's one of the things I'm going to try to focus on more. Hopefully like you got to be efficient, right? That's, that's one of the reasons that I could compete while holding a full-time job was because I was efficient with my time. And now that I've, you know, maybe added more on my plate, um, although it's not competing anymore. I, I think I'm done with that. Um, I think there's more items on my plate now. And that just means more things that are going to pull my attention because I care about these things. So I think the, that's what I'll, I'll start trying to implement is a proper um, compartmentalization of time and, and focus. It's huge. Huge first. Like, I, I think I live sort of uh, similar where, you know, I've got so many different things going on that don't relate to each other. And I'm constantly having to switch mindsets. But I'm also having that thing where, you know, I'm focusing on other things whilst I should be focusing on that thing. And I'm never sort of performing to my full potential. One thing I've started focusing on as well is, you know, the ability to like say no to certain things, yeah. you know. If someone asks me to do something, I'll have that reflection and think, you know, is that worth doing or... And you so, do it. Yeah, Would you have yeah. the resources to exactly. do it also? Because right. I, I fell into that trap, you know, of constantly like, I would always say yes to everyone. You know, if they ask me to do something, I'm there, I'll do it. Yeah. Now I'm starting to have that reflection where, you know, I've got to start to learn to say no for myself, for my own mental health and my own sake. Yeah. yeah. It's so important. Mm. You have okay. a, talking about mentality on, on the topic of that, um, I saw on Instagram, you have like a hashtag that you commonly use, better than yesterday. Um, yeah. Can you sort of talk us through the meaning behind that? Well, um, I think the goal is always to have those tiny improvements day to day, right? Um, like there's, there's no point in being stagnant in life in any aspect. Um, and so I, I think regardless of your goals, and I think you should, I think every single person should have some sort of goal in life. Um, I've even started asking my parents what their goals are right now. And they're, you know, approaching 60, you know, you know, maybe thinking about retirement or something like what are your goals you know you have to have those in life and and they don't have to be a singular they could be in different aspects whether it's again you know your relationships with your family your relationships with god or your faith um your overall physical mental health you know financially you know whatever it might be and if you're not trying to improve upon those incrementally every single day well then you're staying stagnant in some manner and i just don't believe we like, I think we have a responsibility to ourselves for being put on this earth to be given the days that we have in life to be working towards being a better human. And so if you're given that 24 hours the next day, you know, you better, you better use them. You know, there's no reason to, to not be improving in some aspect, you know. Um, so I just don't believe in, in not working hard. And in terms of like your CrossFit, you mentioned that you've been doing jiu-jitsu, you know, what, what are sort of your goals now with CrossFit? What do you hope to achieve in yeah. the um, coming years? Yeah. 
So uh, we started a, a camp down here in, in South. Uh, we call it the Southland Competitors Camp. But uh, what we're trying to do is build a community of competitive athletes in our area. And there's a lot of talented kids, young, young guys and gals down here. Um, and I want to see them start. I want to start building that competitive community, you know, um, start training that mindset or, you know, building that mindset amongst these guys um that they really can achieve some incredible things if they put in the time and surround themselves with the right people and so i don't think my goals with crossfit anymore are personal um because competing is totally selfish right like i said whenever i qualified for the crossfit games no one benefited it was mostly pride you know it was cool that i was better than those other guys and i got to go like achieve, like i got to go compete at the crossfit games but who who did i really help right um, I, I don't think I helped anyone besides, you know, achieving that one goal I had, but now I can start training with these fellows, um, passing on any wisdom or any advice, anything that I can do to help them achieve their goals. Um, and that's been really cool, um, to see them start progressing and, uh, you know, not being so self-absorbed in my own training, um, yeah. about my own self that I can give back a little bit to these guys. And, um, you know, I think that's a part of it is, you know, maybe you can be, uh, I was so selfish for, you know, four or five years where my whole day kind of revolved around me, you know, even my poor wife, you know, she, whenever I was training, she didn't see me that much. And my, my competing never helped her. She never gained anything from it, but now, I can start giving back all that, that time that I took away. Um, and so that's, I think that's the, the goal for me is to see these, see these fellows through their careers. 100%. That's one thing I love about, you know, CrossFit, you know, the community. I feel yeah. like it's so open, especially to all, all abilities. You know, you walk into a CrossFit gym, they're, they're welcoming you with open arms. And uh, I think that's one thing that's really appealing about CrossFit, um, yeah. that, that community. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. In terms of your point uh, of being selfish, I'm I'm sure you've inspired a lot of people, you know, through your like com competition, like competing. I'm, I, you know, what I mean, like I, I think you're being too hard on yourself right there. Um, I'm sure that you know. Um, Appreciate it. I mean, it's led us to to have this chat. So, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and Thank you. We, we're probably gonna inspire a lot of people listening. So yeah, yeah, no, nah, it's not so. uh, for sure, for sure. It's the whole goal with these sort of conversations, you know. Yeah. People will listen yeah. to it. We have a lot of young athletes who listen, you know, they'll, they'll take yeah. a couple of things from this podcast and apply it to their own lives. And you might know you might not know that you've had that impact, yeah. but you de definitely will. So yeah, hundred percent. Appreciate that. <laughs> One thing um I wanted to cover is you know, we promote on this podcast um a big thing in psychology. I've I've done a lot around, you know, transition and research around that. And I saw uh, a positive transition factor say if you're to be um if your sport's cancelled like you know what i mean you can't do your sport anymore yeah it's having a wider identity and yeah. you've studied to a very high level um and you you work as well so what was sort of yeah the main motivation behind you know st studying to that level and yeah. um pursuing your career in you know applied yeah. physics and medicine yeah well I don't think that if, you know, if I'd poured 
all of my chips into competing in CrossFit, how long could I have stayed in the sport and stayed um, financially stable from it? Because, you know, the first thing I've got to take care of is my family. Um, and without a decent income to keep a roof over the heads and food on the counter and in the fridge and the pantry, and I, then I, tank, I can't take care of them. So that's got to be taken care of. And if I'd poured all my chips into CrossFit, and maybe, you know, if I was talented enough and did the right things and made all the right choices and worked hard enough, I maybe could have been, maybe I could have been the best. But how long does that last? Maybe it lasts, you know, six years, seven years. And then I'm in my, you know, I'm 30 years old. And where, where do I transition from there? And I didn't have an answer. I didn't have an answer what to do from that point. And so early on, you know, the, which is why I didn't want to wrestle in college is because after college, where does it go? You know, if you can be the best in the United States, then you can go to the Olympics and that's once every four years, you know? Um, so what do you do? And I wasn't willing to gamble that and, you know, not know where it was going to take me. I wanted to have a plan. And so I decided to, to do the physics and physics was going to come first. Um, which, you know, if I'd, I'd never qualified for the CrossFit Games, you know, never achieved those goals, I never would have said, you know, physics was the reason I couldn't do it. So I'm going to quit physics, and try to focus on this goal of CrossFit. Physics was the goal. You know, my career was the ultimate goal. And without the career, um, I wasn't like, I wasn't settling for that. So um, I think part, I mean, I think it was good because it gave me a set of like, you know, a little bit of balance. Um, but it also, you know, now I'm going to get to work with my dad for the next 20 years. And then I'll, uh, I'll move into running that company solely for as long as I can. And um, to me, that's very fulfilling and was the ultimate goal for me. Um, you know, and so I, I hope that was the right decision for me and uh i love what i do now i love the work i do um so yeah but at the same time i don't think you can be the best in the world while having another endeavor does that make sense yeah um like there, there were there were too many sacrifices that i wasn't willing to make because they were already made for work you know i I couldn't, I couldn't train from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day because I was at work, but mm -hmm. that was more important to me. Um, you know, it added other stressors because, you know, I'd be studying and that would take away either mental focus or physical, you know, energy from training. But I wasn't willing to not have that career after because that was what I wanted the most. And so... I think if your goal is to be the best in the world, there is no other insurance <laughs> on your life, you know. One thing, though, about that um, is, you know, athletes' careers, you know, they aren't that long. Um, yeah. You know, they're not going to be able to compete for their entire lives. And, you know, I just think it's a matter of having another interest just outside of yeah. just solely your sport, you know. Um, so if you was to finish your sport, let's say it, like 35 you know what are you going to go into because there's still a lot of life right to live. 
So right. I think it's just about having that wider identity in terms of having other interests outside of your, your sport um, yeah. that you'd be willing to pursue. Uh, so it's not solely your identity. I did a lot of research around football, you know, footballers. And, you know, if that identity gets taken away from them, let's say they retire yeah. or they get released at 16, you know, that say Oliver the footballer is no longer Oliver the footballer and I have that you know identity crisis about who am I um, right so I just think it's about understanding yourself as a human yeah and you know what's important to you and you obviously had that so it's uh it, that's really good for, from you and it's obviously helped you throughout your career I appreciate um, that what does your actual what does this entail because I saw that you yeah. studied at the the cancer center so is that yeah. is that the work that you're involved in or so uh, medical physics is, um, there's three different fields of it. There's radiation therapy, there's diagnostic imaging, and then there's nuclear medicine. The radiation therapy is uh, why I studied at the, the cancer center, MD Anderson in Houston. Um, but I studied the diagnostic imaging in the nuclear medicine while I was um, there and then in residency as well. And, you know, if you look at like a CT um, or an X-ray, um, those are just radiation passing through your body. Um, nuclear medicine is just, uh, you know, the nuclear decay of certain molecules or atoms really. Um, and this is, this is the study of that. Uh, so what I, what I studied was how physics is actually useful in terms of medicine and, uh, with diagnostic imaging is how can you create images using radiation, whether it's sound, um, magnetic radiation or, you know, ionizing radiation, you know, photons passing through your body that hit a target that create an image. Um, nuclear medicine is how can you use chemistry and physics to, in, you can image the body with it. You can also treat uh, like cancers or other illnesses with uh, decaying atoms by attaching them to like a tracer. And, you know, for example, glucose, Glucose is taken up by metabolically active tissues, which cancer is a metabolically, highly metabolically active tissue. And so if you can trace a um, radioactive substance to a glucose, it'll get taken up by the tumor and you'll see it in an image. So you can diagnose disease. And that's what I study is like the, how can you use that to diagnose illness and disease or treat illness and disease in human body? And, uh, what it ends up boiling. So that's like the, the physics part of it. You know, we study nuclear physics, but when it's applied is how do you use it and what it ends up being in my career. My dad owns a consulting company. Um, the government has a lot of regulations, state and federal, on how radiation can be used and rightly so because in the wrong hands, um, radiation's damaging, um, but it can also be healing. And so uh, we pretty much provide consulting services to small clinics or uh, large hospitals um, to ensure that they're operating safely, operating at a high level of quality in terms of patient care, um, that they're in line with the state and federal regulations and um, things of that nature. So uh, got into it because of um, what he did and loved what he did and how he operated day to day, owning, a, owning his own business and uh, aspire to be um, his partner. 
sounds very highly intellectual and uh yeah, I'll... Think I'll put the break positive <laughs> <laughs> summarize everything for us all gone <laughs> no but it sounds interesting obviously yeah cancer is something that i'm sure it t- touches everyone um right. in life at some point so it's yeah. great that you're doing that work um and yeah credit yes sir thank you appreciate that um one thing this is a, a new segment i wanted to sort of uh introduce is a one word answer segment where we'll just ask you like um seven or eight questions and you just say right. one word okay all right let's go yeah <laughs> all right john we'll go one for one yeah yeah you sign or my son that's the okay, okay. so obviously um crossfit has you know loads of different workouts what's the hardest workout the marathon row Okay. John. Your favorite workouts. The ranch run from 2019. Yeah. I think I I think I've seen that on the on the show. That looks uh, yeah, it did look good. What about the hay in that though? <laughs> um is that in that? Are you talking so I'm talking about the uh it's like the where they made him turn around and run back. Yeah, uh, in 2019 or 2020, rather in 2020. I think I'm all um, mixed up. Yeah. yeah, so it was it was at the Aromas Ranch, and um, that was mentally, it wasn't like maybe physically taxing, in terms of my favorite, but it exposed a lot of weaknesses in my head, so that's why it's my favorite. Sorry, that's not a one-word answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you give an answer, and then I think I'd love to expand on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, favorite place you've competed in? Mm. Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay. Your favorite food? I like pastries, like cookies. Okay, good answer. <laughs> Be- um, best friend in CrossFit, so like maybe another athlete? Alexis Johnson. Okay. This is a really important one. Yeah. We're going to judge you for this one. Let's go. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Yes. <laughs> You've passed the test. Good. And then uh, biggest inspiration in CrossFit or in life or both? Uh, my God. Okay. Sweet. No, so they were, thanks for that. And uh, they, they were all the questions that we had for you. So um, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, it was a great chat and i feel like a lot of people are going to take a lot of value from, from what you've discussed with us uh, so yeah it was, a, it was a pleasure talking with you i appreciate you guys thank you all for letting me uh come on no worries is there anything you want to sort of shout out or say all your socials and that'll be in the description of the youtube video um including your camp as well i saw that you've got an instagram for that as well so we can yes sir that. oh i appreciate that is there anything else you want to shout out no sir there's okay. that but I appreciate you guys. Uh, enjoy the conversation. Yeah, no worries. Okay. So thanks so much for coming on and chat with us. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you could please share this with your friends or someone you would feel would benefit from it. Most importantly, like, subscribe, comment down below any questions or guests you'd like us to get on in the future. Also, go follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Links will be in the description of the YouTube video or find us at Master in the Mind podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one.